Welcome to TwoQuestions.tv. My guest today is Chris Edmonds, and we're talking about developing your organizational culture. TwoQuestions.tv. Brief questions, deep knowledge for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business owners. Welcome to TwoQuestions.tv. I'm Susan Barancini Mo. Joining me today is Chris Edmonds, a speaker and executive consultant who helps leaders create purposeful, positive, productive work cultures. He's also the author of this book, The Culture Engine, a framework for driving results, inspiring your employees, and transforming your workplace. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Susan, thank you. Delightful to be here and to finally connect with you live, face-to-face. -face, yes. Well, I loved your book. Thank you. Thank you. I loved, I loved that you were interested. It, it's a great book and, and one of those that really should be on the desk of every leader um, because it does kind of go through, it, it, it's exactly what you say, a framework. I mean, it goes through the diagnosis, it goes through the, okay, now what do you do and now how do you maintain it? And I thought that was just fantastic because my question always at the end of a book is okay, but now how do you maintain that? Because right, right. that becomes a challenge. Yeah, but 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 you start the book with sort of a diagnosis, looking at the current state of your organizational culture, and 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 really examining it to say where do we need to go from here. What I struck me, which I I, I don't know why it struck me with your book. I've read lots of books on organizational culture, but with your book, it struck me in particular that. It's a bit of an optimistic perspective to, to say a leader can come in and change the organizational culture, right? So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how hard is it to change the culture? Boy, that's a great question. And, and, and what is, is interesting is I've spent 30 years helping leaders answer that question, right? <laughs> and, and the, the first part of it is, is helping leaders understand that that's their job. Mm -hmm. But their actual main primary responsibility is to create a, a sane culture. God yeah. forbid, maybe even a civil one and a, and a fun one and a productive one. But the education is that if all you're focused upon is getting crap out the door, whatever that crap is, it's good crap, whatever. You're selling <laughs> sandwiches, cars, coffee. The way people treat each other, the way they interact with each other is by far the better indication of the quality of your culture than the crap you're sending out the door. And so the education piece is managing results good for you. That's half your job, right? The other half of your job is actually crafting a workplace where people trust each other and respect each other. You don't have to be best friends. I don't care. But you're going to find that if you as a leader pay as much attention to the quality of workplace relationships, the degree of trust and respect, the degree of, God forbid, cooperation and civil interaction, then you're going to get better results. So the idea is, I know culture is complex. I know there's thousands of variables. And I know that uh, you know, I, I use one of the cool things I think in the book is to give people some, some insights. There's a questionnaire, right? Oh. Five questions <laughs> in each of the 10, 10 chapters, but the same question can remain. So I don't have a purposeful, positive, productive culture. What do I do? And so the idea is let's, let's make this very simple. Let's take the same qualities, shall we say, your own skills in me. This is an assumption, hang with me. In managing performance, 
and holding people accountable for performance, which is all part of that. And mm -hmm. it's clear targets, clear results, clear metrics, and then looking around and seeing how that's doing and responding to that. Let's take mm -hmm. that same skill set and shift it to values. Shift it to how do you know that people are treating each other respectfully? Well, you have to freaking ask. You actually have to engage. <laughs> and if you have values like integrity and respect and excellence and safety, etc., and you plaster those all over your plant, your global workplace, and you leave that process, the publication has happened. Everybody now knows what they're supposed to do. They're going to be great. They're not. No. So <laughs> the trick is, no, 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 no. This isn't about them. This is about you all as senior leaders. And you must, first of all, make values observable, tangible, measurable, just like performance standards are. And then you as leaders have to model them. So it takes all of these variables and all of these wonderful insights about human systems and reinforcement and incentives we don't have to go there yet we don't have to go there yet in fact let's just make values as important as results and people get that they go, oh my best boss did that well why don't you be your best boss then right mm -hmm. and let's make the values so that they don't have to be interpreted by anybody because if you go out today and you ask 10 people in your company what integrity means you're going to get 20 different answers. <laughs> yeah. So let's not let's not let's let's not give them a quiz every hour because they're going to fail. So let's tell them this is the pathway. We're going to pave this path in the jungle and the forest. Call it what you will. Stay here on the path, and and we'll feed you and we'll praise you and we'll pay you. And right, if you go off the path, it's going to be harder. Right. But if you stay on the path, now this is the key lever, which is if you want people to treat each other differently, then you have to model it. Mm -hmm. So it puts all of the pressure upon, yes, I know, terrible. All the pressure happens to fall upon the senior leaders first right. because everybody's watching what they do, what their plans, decisions, and actions say are important. That's the kind of un unstated, implicit norms. And they may not be very nice, right? They may not be very kind at all. So if you want trust and respect and dignity and more money, sorry, then leaders have to model it. And so just as, as I, I help leaders understand that you're going to get farther with crafting a civil workplace, if you make values observable, tangible, measurable, then not only do you have to be the champions, the role models of this, but then we're going to measure you. Well, what do you mean you're going to measure me? Well, just like you measure performance, and oh God, you have dashboards everywhere to measure performance traction. Yeah. We must create a simple, honest, safe way for employees to give you feedback about the degree to which you now model those values. And they go, why don't we have everybody else do it first and I'll do it last? Nope, you do it first. <laughs> and, and, and what gets so cool and so interesting about it is that what I find very commonly is that the executive team doesn't behave very well anyway, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's not a team. It's a group of affiliated people that battle for limited resources every day. And if I screw my buddy, if I stab you in the back, then I won today. Or I won yeah. this morning and this afternoon we start again. So it's like, no, no, no. 
All of you are on duty all the time. I tell senior leaders as you go down this path of formalizing value behaviors, you cannot run a yellow light in this town ever again. Ever. Yeah. You cannot go to the grocery store and someone go, I haven't been to the grocery store in decades. What okay, get it. But if you go to the grocery store, you can't go to ten items or less with twenty items. You cannot do it because yeah. everyone's going to carefully scrutinize everything you do yeah and yeah. so the reality is is that now this takes a while but as you can see what i'm crafting is let's leverage your performance management skills assuming they're pretty good mm -hmm. let's make values observable tangible measurable nobody has to interpret anything and let's measure the tar out of them let's measure them at least twice a year yeah. and the first couple of rounds of the survey are employees scrutinizing you, rating you as leaders, and next level yeah. leaders get it as well. And then maybe the third one of the survey, you invite everyone to rate themselves, each other, and their bosses. Yeah. So it's like, oh my God, that's a lot of work. Well, yeah, it's the other half of your job. And if yeah. you don't measure it, then the not so subtle message is that that's not important. Right, right. So well, that was a very long answer. No, no, it was great, actually, very thorough. Let's say thorough, not long, thorough. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, what occurs to me as you're talking about this is that you can lose people in this process because when you begin to change a culture, there are some people who are very content in the culture as it is. So you're going to have to hire people. And so let's talk for a minute about hiring because in my work as an executive coach, I do find that hiring trips up a lot of my clients. People hear the idea of hire for values alignment, and they often aren't really clear on how they end up with skilled workers who also match the culture. Yeah. But you tie this up really nicely in the book. So could you explain a little bit about, about how to do that for the folks who are waiting for their book to arrive? That's right. The idea is that, that if, as I push back and say, well, tell me, tell me about the, your most recent hire. And they go, oh, she's brilliant. Or, oh, he's great. Mm. Well, what did you look at? Well, we looked at demonstrated skills, demonstrated accomplishments. We had the team members that she's going to work with interview, you know, with the team. I said, did you talk at all about work ethic? Yeah, we kind of talked about it. I said, <laughs> not much. Really? Exactly. Because the thing that you are most trained to observe and to monitor is skills. And therefore, the application of those skills which leads to the results that you want. Right. Well, if now I'm saying that's half your job, good for you. Don't, don't ignore that. But how might you engage people in learning about what their own workplace values are? What are the behaviors that they've grown accustomed to, to model day to day? And what mm -hmm. is very interesting is that folks come into an interview thinking, I need to show them what I can do. Right, this right. is a skills thing. And the reality is, yes, that's half. The other half is gonna be, we've got a really interesting culture here, and it's a very intentional culture. And ours is a culture of sanity and respect and trust. And people might go, well, that sounds good. What does that mean? Well, let's go, now let's go have you talk to the team members that, that you might be working with so that you understand that under pressure, this is how this team operates. It's not right. an individual going out on you know, some wonderful idea and leaving everyone in the dust and maybe causing problems because you're acting so independently. We all work together here. We all, or whatever the pattern is, 
that has been proven to you all that that's the right culture for you. So I literally say you need to spend 70% of the interview process on values mm -hmm. and learning, crafting questions where you can say, okay, so it's late on Friday, kids soccer game has started 45 minutes ago. This thing didn't go out to a customer you promised what do you do. Mm -hmm. Well, again, we're focusing upon a result that was not met. But we're also learning about, so what's their problem-solving thinking like? What is their teamwork thinking like? Right. And the reality is, is that it's unlikely you're going to find someone who's going to come in and fit your culture perfectly because they have been, let's call it infected, right? They have been <laughs> trained to behave the way they're coming in. And the way they're coming in is probably it's all about results. Yeah, if I screw my buddy. That's that's okay, and that's not what you want. And so, right. the investment of time and energy, and I would say with with some of my clients, it's been just delightful to see not only some of the creativity, but they get so powerfully passionate about the culture that they almost yeah. say, "We can teach you almost anything." And I see you have you know this certificate or that set of skills. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about the work ethic. That's a very unique one to mm -hmm. our team. And in fact, if you go to other, other teams in our company, it may not be as good as it is here. Mm -hmm. So, and that's interesting, right? So the idea is that you want to be much more intentional right. about the values match with people coming in, which means you absolutely have to invest yeah. a huge amount of time and energy on you know, I, I, uh, I appreciate when you said in the book, you can get a little sneaky with your questions. Um, I, I interviewed someone who is the CEO of a, a, one of those companies that makes all the best places to work lists because their culture is so phenomenal. Yeah. And I asked him like, what, what are you doing? Like, what is it? Why are you on all these lists? What makes you so great? And he said, well, one of the tenants of our, you know, he gave me the list of their you know, culture. And he said, but the first tenet is generosity. I said, okay, let's take generosity. How do you hire for that? And he said, well, because they had, you know, all these unlimited parks, right? Unlimited vacation, unlimited food. They have a pantry. And so they need people who are generous enough that they won't totally take advantage of that. Right. Exactly. So, so their, their spirit is we're generous with you. We assume you're going to be generous with us. And I said, how do you hire people for generosity? And he said, well, I just asked them, when's the last time you took someone out for a cup of coffee and paid for no reason other than you just wanted to hang out with them? I thought that was a little bit of a sneaky question. It so, is a sneaky question. But it's well, fantastic. It gets, it gets to the root of, yeah. is this something you think about? Is this something you act on? Exactly, exactly. So I love those kinds of questions. And I like that you acknowledge that sneaky questions are okay. So, yeah. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. So appreciate. You can tell I'm somewhat passionate about culture. And yeah. again, the, the book is an entree for leaders. They don't have to be in, involved in an organization that's undergoing some massive culture refinement process. You can have this work with your own department, your own small business, yeah. and, uh, and it matters. We really want yeah. To. Would you like to join me on the after show? I would love to. Yay. Okay. All right. Viewers, if you'd like to join Chris and me on the after show, 
come with us. We're going over to twoquestions.tv. That's our URL. And it's the only place you can find the after show. So if you want to see it, come with us. We'll be over there. Now, in the meantime, here's the book. Make sure you get this. This should be on every leader's desk. We're going to have links down below in the show notes so you can get your copy on Amazon. All right. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. This has been twoquestions.tv. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, learn more about the show, the guests, and our host, Susan Barancini-Mo, visit us at www.twoquestions.tv.